Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Awesome. My watch broke. All right. Boo. So good to see everybody today. Yeah. Um, one of the announcements, I couldn't quite hear it when it went, so I'm just going to share it with you again. And that is that uh, the Missions Aviation Fellowship movie, To the Ends of the Earth, Into the World, something like that, Into the... Earth. It is Earth. It is the Earth. Uh, it's called To the Ends of the Earth. Uh, we're going to be showing it here December 10th. Um, so if you missed it in movie theaters, at 7 p.m. right here, truly, uh, it was an amazing movie. I, I watched it uh, with a family in our church that uh, invited me to the show. I loved it. It was so much fun. Um, I was ready to like sell my house and move to Indonesia and learn how to fly. So... You want to come watch this movie just about the great work that Missions Aviation Fellowship, uh, it's a ministry based out of Nampa, uh, the work they're doing in our community. So come on out. It's free. And uh, get some popcorn and, and uh, watch a movie about what God's doing in, in, around the world. Through airplanes of all things, right? The Lord can use an airplane. And uh, it's exciting. <clears throat> uh, last week, this they mentioned it, but last week, we as a church raised a ridiculous amount of money for our new building, which is uh, truly astounding that, uh, that we were able to do that. Um, it wasn't like one person just gave all this money. It was everybody in the church uh, doing what they could do, and we raised, um, well, on the picture it said $578,000, but about 30 seconds after that picture was taken, Another gift came in, and then the next morning, another gift came in, and the, your church raised six hundred thousand dollars. And um, it was funny because I I had been talking to um, one of my mentors. He, he pastors a church that's uh, it's about nine thousand people in the church, and I was talking to him earlier before we did this offering, and told him what what our plans were and what we're thinking, and I. Um, I told him, I said, it would be really amazing if we could raise about $400,000. Um, that's kind of like the baseline of where we need to be, but, it, but that's where we need to be. And, and um, to, to be able to finish out the building, that's what the money's for. It's, it's already, if you're wanting the money, it's already spent. Like, it's already, we already spent it. Uh, it's, it's already uh, building up the, the bigger auditorium so we can serve more people, so we can reach more people, so we can make bigger impact in the valley, so we can do more for missions. Um, and, and so it's, it's all about that. But... Um, I was talking to him, and I told him what we are doing, and he said, he said, yeah, that's not realistic. Uh, he's like, you're not going to be able to do that with such a short lead time, uh, especially a church your size. It's, that's, that's not going to happen. And, and I appreciated the wisdom there, but uh, isn't it crazy what God will do when God wants to do something? It's just crazy. And um, 
And that's the kind of God you serve, a God that can really, he can make a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. He really can. Um, yeah, just, uh, I, I was blown away. For you guys, for a, church that, for a church that was in the back of a school at the back of a field two years ago, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, but th- this is a Thanksgiving weekend. Again, we're not having service after Thanksgiving because we're all going to be a little too bloated to come to church, and that's a good thing. So uh, instead, we'll be doing church online, and uh, so 10 o'clock on the, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, there will be, uh, it'll be on our YouTube and on our social media platforms. Go ahead and gather your family around. Great way to trick your kids into coming to church is uh, <laughs> church online the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And um, so that's what we're doing. <sighs> All right. Thanksgiving. I like Thanksgiving. I really like food. Um, do I have any turkey people? Do I have any ham people? Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, ham. Um, I'm a, a red, all of the above. I like red salmon for Thanksgiving. Um, that's, that's the will of the Lord for somebody, is bake you a salmon on a cedar plank for Thanksgiving. Um, here's the deal. Thanksgiving is a lot of fun. It's, um, it's, it's an American tradition. It's, it's great because it embodies um, the Christian thought on thankfulness and, and being uh, being grateful for what the Lord has provided. The difficult part of Thanksgiving is that all your weird family members are going to be with you. And that makes Thanksgiving a little more difficult. Like, if, turkey by itself is great, but when you add turkey and your weird aunt, like, he just, it's just, or the brother-in-law that just has no filter, right? Like, it's just, it's so much. And... Um, and so today, I, I want to talk to people that maybe that's kind of what you're facing in this next week is maybe you've got some difficult conversations. Really, like you're, you're coming to the Thanksgiving table, and uh, in your home, the, thank, the rug under your Thanksgiving table is the lumpiest rug in the world because your family just sweeps everything under the rug. Um, and so you've, you've come to the table, and you would love to have conversation, but, but those conversations can't be had. It might ruin everything, or, or you would, maybe today you're just facing insurmountable difficulties. So today I want to talk to you out of the book of Exodus about the idea of, of what God can do and what we should do when we're facing difficult situations. Um, I think it's, it's been fun. I've been kind of sitting in the Exodus story. I don't really know why, but, but I just feel like there's some people that feel like they're between, they're between difficult options. And, and God has a plan, even when we only see difficult options. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a skeptic by nature. I, I went to school in Canada, so uh, junior high and high school was in Canada, so um, was, was raised to be a pretty skeptical person in general. Like, I, I get skeptical when somebody says they're going to change. I wish I wasn't that way, but I, I, I do. I, I get skeptical when, when I hear somebody tell me some fanciful story that just seems too hard to believe. I'm just like, hmm, I believe that you believe that. You know what I mean? And it, maybe, maybe I'm the only one here that deals with it, but that's, that's kind of who I am. I, I, I struggle sometimes to believe 
even when, like, the idea of, like, God making a way when there is no way, sometimes I just feel like, no, there's just no way. Until he shows you. So today I want to talk to somebody that maybe you're facing insurmountable obstacles. Maybe you're facing a heartbreaking situation. or Maybe you're facing unforeseen circumstances. I believe the word of God provides answers in those sorts of situations. Like that's, that's actually the reason why we read the Bible. Because the Bible is more than just a storybook. It's, it's the word of God presented to us to provide us with all of the answers we need for life. Like for any situation you're dealing with, the Bible speaks to that situation. TikTok doesn't speak to your life like the Bible speaks to your life, somebody. That, that, that YouTube influencer, like they may be great, but they're 17 years old and they don't know what it's like to be married. Okay, I'm just, I'm just saying like the Bible speaks to every situation in life. Even those difficult conversations at the Thanksgiving dinner table, the Bible speaks to it. And so we're going to pull some truths out of the story of Exodus uh, that I, I think might help somebody that's facing difficult odds today. <clears throat> um, in, in the Old Testament story, they're, they're, the children of Israel have gone to Egypt. Now, it was a blessing from God that brought them to Egypt. It was actually God's provision for their lives that brought them into the land of Egypt and gave them. It was the blessing of God that brought them there, but because they sat on the blessing and didn't move, it turned into slavery. I'm saying we can sometimes forget that like the, the blessing of God might get you somewhere, but if you just sit on a singular moment that God had for you and you don't progress forward, you're going to experience difficulty in the same place that you thought God blessed. Yeah. I'm saying God favored them, but then they ended up in bondage in the exact same space. And it could be that also that the blessing of God is not always everything in life working out perfect. Could it be that the blessing of God includes going through trials and difficult things of various sorts? Does it sound like I'm quoting scripture to you? <clears throat> that actually build perseverance and faith and hope inside of us. So the children of Israel had been in bondage and God begins to take them out of bondage through a man named Moses, one of the greatest prophets that ever lived, uh, one of the greatest leaders this world has ever seen, God delivers them from the nation of Egypt into the promised land, but he does it by presenting Egypt with floods, uh, or not with floods, with plagues, and, 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 and uh, sort, all sorts of uh, uh, plagues that God brings on Egypt to show the children of Israel that their God is bigger than every God Egypt worships. And they run, they, they run away, they, they, they head off into the wilderness, and within just a short journey after leaving Egypt, they find themselves camped at the Red Sea. God's delivered them from Egypt, and moments later, they're at the border of the next difficulty in their life, with the impending doom of Egypt's army rushing in on them. The Bible tells us they say things like, did you bring us here to die? Like Moses, was there not enough graves in Egypt? You brought us to the ocean side to get us killed. This is, 
this is just a difficult situation. They went from one bad situation to another. Has anybody ever done that? You went from one bad situation to another bad situation. And they begin to think, I wish we would have just stayed in Egypt. I wish we would have just stayed put in the middle of our dysfunction. It may have been dysfunctional, but we were functionally dysfunctional. You know what I'm saying? Like you've been praying that the Lord would bring you a spouse and you got yourself married. And now you've been married for a little while and like, dear God, I wish I was back in Egypt. Or maybe you pray that the Lord would give you kids. Like, Lord, we just want children. And the, when you had children, you realized, like, oh, dear God, I wish I was back in Egypt. Or maybe for you, you, you pursued a business opportunity and you, you started this business. And now what, what seemed like a blessing at first is now sleepless nights and difficult days. And you just think, God, I just wish I was back in Egypt. It feels like I went from one situation, one difficult situation to another difficult situation. Maybe for you, you had new opportunities and new influence, and now you just wish like, man, I wish I could still go back to having smaller dreams because it's difficult now. Out of this passage in Exodus where the children of Israel are leaving, we find five instructions from God, five instructions on how to deal with insurmountable difficulties, how to deal with those really hard moments that you may have this week at a table somewhere. Maybe for you, it it has to do with your marriage or your business or whatever it is. Five instructions that apply to us. First is this. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, it says, Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Can I say that if maybe you've lost your job recently or maybe you've, for whatever reason, had to move on from your job recently or maybe you're experiencing discouragement or upheaval in your world, I just want to tell you, don't be afraid. None of this took God by surprise. Don't be afraid of the difficulties you're facing. Maybe you're going to sit at a dinner table with a family that is divided over political issues. Or maybe you're going to sit at a table with a family that is divided over the results of um, of legal proceedings that that have had national impact or 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 maybe you're going to be sitting at a table with a family that's 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 so divided for so fractured for so long that you can't even speak about the issues. I just want to tell you don't be afraid. Like like the difference between discouragement and courage is really simple. They both face the exact same obstacle. When you're discouraged, you're facing an obstacle that is intimidating, that is bigger than you, that is more than you can handle, and you are buying into a belief that that obstacle is going to beat you. It's going to win in this situation. It's going to, be, it's going to overcome you. Courage, you're facing the exact same obstacle, but you believe that you have a kind of God that is bigger than any obstacle. In the face of the exact same difficulty, instead of believing that it's going to overcome me, I'm believing that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So don't be afraid would be 
the first response that we're told to exhibit. This is why, as a church, we do groups. Because life throws us all kinds of curveballs, doesn't it? Life is always changing. It's always things are moving around. And you can come to a church service like this, and you can be inspired. Maybe you can be lifted up. Maybe you feel the presence of God. It's great. But what you really need for growth in your life is not this. What you really need for growth in your life is to get around a small group of believers, discuss the word of God, pray together, pray about life issue, life's issues together, get with believers that are more mature than you and believers that are less mature than you spiritually, and grow together. That's, that's where real growth happens. Because there's something that happens when I get around somebody that, that has been through what I'm going through, and they say, hey, you're going to be just fine. Like You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. When I hear that, it just gives me this courage. Like I don't have to be afraid because they were there too. Or maybe I've never, they've never been through my situation, but they say, hey, I want you to know I'm praying with you about that. When somebody comes up to me and they say, hey, uh, that situation with your kid, I'm praying with you about that. It just gives me courage. This is why as a church, we invest in each other through groups. That's why we do it. So the first is don't be afraid. The, the second is this. <clears throat> Let me go back to, to afraid. Somebody right now, you think, how do I, how do I not have an emotion? Right? You can't command someone to not have an emotion. He's not saying don't experience fear. You're going to experience fear. The Bible tells us even anger. You're going to experience anger. But it says, be angry and sin not. I got some King James Version people in the house. <laughs> you're going to experience it, but your response cannot be, let anger be in the driver's seat of your life. Yeah. The same thing goes with fear. You will be afraid in life. You cannot let fear be the author of your life. Fear can be an indicator on the dashboard of your life, telling you that there's a problem. But fear cannot be the one holding the steering wheel. So when we say, do not be afraid, we're not saying don't experience emotion. We're not saying be a stoic. What we're saying is, don't let fear come out of the dashboard as a flashing light and grab hold of that steering wheel. God is the one. He's the Lord of your life. He's the one with the steering wheel. You recognize there's fear, but you cannot allow him to be in control. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> fear. Uh, the next one is this. Stand still. The next part of this verse says in Exodus 14, 13, just stand still. He says, do not be afraid. Just stand still. This one is hard for me because I'm the kind of person that always wants to fix something that's not broken. You know what I mean? I'm always messing with something. I'm always, I'm the kid that when my parents would buy me a toy for Christmas, I would have it taken apart and destroyed by by the next Monday. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like I'm always wanting to make so, I'm, I'm always thinking what's in the, we'll be having conversations. I'll be having a conversation with one of you and, and where I'm thinking in my mind is where this conversation needs to be next week, next year. Like I'm thinking, I'm thinking where it needs to be. And, and often that's a failure of mine is, is I, I struggle to be present in the moment because I'm thinking about where we need to be. Like I'm thinking about where, where we're going rather than where we are. And because of that, I find myself, uh, I'll get agitated easily or I become really impatient because uh, I wonder why something isn't already done. Because I'm like, we're already, in my mind, we're already over there. Like we're, we're already doing, we're already seeing progress. 
Thinking about what comes next rather than what comes now. And really one of the greatest spiritual disciplines you can put in your life addresses this. Is like For me, one of the greatest spiritual disciplines in my life isn't accomplishing great things spiritually. It's just learning to be still. Like, like I'm saying, like, instead of making your motivation, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year, which is a great motivation. If that's your goal, you should do it. But I'm saying there's been times in my life when I'm so focused on my end of the year goal is to read the Bible in a year that I'm not present with the Bible today. And so I, I'm, I'm checking the list. I'm, I'm checking it twice. But I'm not present with the word of God today. And so there's something valuable about slowing down from my ambitious goals or slowing down from your dream and just saying, God, I'm just going to be present with your word today. Whatever you have for me today, I just want to receive today instead of trying to accomplish some big goal. Same thing goes with prayer. We can make prayer much more shallow than we realize when we attempt to make prayer about lofty words and strong, big things with God. Like, that's great. But when you do that, what often happens is you're actually more focused on what you're saying than the one you're saying it to. You ever been in an, in an argument, not an argument, uh, like intense fellowship with your spouse? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You're just, you're just communing in the Lord, but heightened volume. And, and, you have, and, and the whole time you're talking, all you're thinking, you're thinking about, this is me. I'm thinking about what I'm, as, as soon as you get done saying that, this is what I'm going to say. I've got something good to say right now. Like I'm going I'm to say my thing. I'm thinking about, like, as, as she's talking, I'm thinking about how to, like, re, undo everything she said. I'm going to say this. Like, Am I in the conversation? No, I'm not. In, I'm thinking more about what I want to say than the actual conversation that is happening. And so many of us do this with prayer. Instead of just being still and being present with the one we're talking to, whether you have the right words or you don't have the right words, whether he answers today or he doesn't answer today, stop focusing on what you want to say to him. Start focusing on just being present with him. When I am squirming and wiggling in my walk with God, I often get in his way. The next thing it says is this, verse 13, it says, and watch the Lord rescue you today. He says, don't be afraid. Stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Get your eyes on God. Get your eyes off of that thing that the person at your Thanksgiving table did last year that disappoints you. Get your eyes off of the situation with your bank account. Get your eyes off of the person that is like the source of all the frustration in your life and get your eyes on the Lord. Eyes on the Lord. Because you've got a choice. Get your eyes off of all the political unrest that our country is experiencing. Get your attention out of trying to figure out which political party the person you're speaking to voted for. 
and get your eyes on Jesus Christ. He's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. So what we do is we, 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 we pay attention to the news. We, we pay attention to the things around us. We focus on the Lord. We, we glance on current events. We gaze on the Lord. We, we glance at all the difficulties around us, but we gaze on the fact that two weeks ago, nearly two dozen people gave, went public with their faith right here in this church. Like, nearly two, two, two dozen people. Like, we, we gaze on the fact that, that 450 people all did their little part in, in moving the kingdom of God forward last week, and we just saw like an incredible miracle that that number of people should never be able to accomplish in 100 years. I'm saying like gaze on those kind of things. Keep your eyes on what is good. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Because there's a God that can make a way when it really doesn't seem like there's a way. I'm saying, like, when your family seems like it's all falling apart, stop focusing on all the dysfunction. Gaze on the Lord. The next portion of verse 13 says this. The Egyptians you see today, will, you will never, they will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. You ever feel like you have to defend yourself against everything? Yeah. You, you got to explain yourself all the time. Like I'm saying, stop trying to defend yourself. Stop trying to explain yourself. Stop trying to like, make sure everybody, like just stay calm. Don't be afraid. Stand still. Stay calm. Get your eyes on Jesus. Stay calm. When our back is against the wall, he whispers into our ears, his peace that calms storms. He's doing a new thing. And I just want to tell somebody today, maybe, maybe you're the parent of adult children and you, you just can't stand the decisions that they're making. I'm saying, stay calm. Maybe you're the parent of teenage decisions and they've lost their ever-living mind. Stay calm. Stay calm. Don't pop off on social media every time you disagree with something. Hey, hey. <laughs> I think this whole COVID thing has simply accelerated what was already going on in our hearts, didn't it? It didn't change people. It just accelerated. If you're moving towards the Lord, it accelerated that. If you're moving away from the Lord, it accelerated that. If politics was your God, it accelerated that. Stop talking about that, Pastor. <laughs> then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people. To get moving. He says, why are you sitting here complaining? Why, why, why are you sitting here thinking I'm not, I don't have it under control? He's the kind of God that even when he isn't at work, he is at work. 
like when it appears that nothing is going on, he is still at work even when there's nothing. Like it's like a caterpillar. You look at a caterpillar inside of the cocoon and you think nothing is happening here. And yet inside of the caterpillar, God is at work. He's always at work. He says, tell the people to get moving. I just want to tell somebody, get moving. Stay still. Don't, don't run off in your own efforts. Don't run off doing your own thing, trying to fix your problems all on your own. Instead, simply be faithful and simply be true to whatever God tells you to do. Well, what is God telling me to do? This is why we read the Bible. We read the Bible because we get instructions for life. That's, that's the purpose of it. It gives us uh, instruction and, uh, and reproof. Like, like it helps us grow in our walk with God. That's, that's the point of it. So I'm just telling somebody today, like, maybe just follow the steps of what God is showing you to do. Don't run off and do your own thing. Simply be faithful to whatever he tells you to do. The scripture says this, moreover, it is required of a servant that a man be found faithful. It's more important that you are faithful to what he's asking you to do than it is for you to have all the best ideas. God is doing something in you that you may not be able to see yet because it's not for now, it might be for later. What I'm saying is like, I, I, like for myself, it looks like I was, I grew up in a really tiny church, so I've never pastored a church this big, and it's not even big church, but like when I was in Alaska, I was leading a church that was really small, like 30 people, and I was so frustrated many times because it's like, God, you put like big ideas in my head, like big dreams in my head, but I, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to make this happen. I don't think this is ever going to work. And what was really going on is God was working inside of me some things when no one was looking, when no one was paying attention, when, when there was nobody to see what God was doing. God was doing a work inside of me so that when I'm standing in front of all of you, I'm not now working on the things I was supposed to work on 15 years ago. I'm saying when, when it feels like, like God, how, how, come it, how come it's not happening for me yet? God, why isn't it working out yet? It's because he's preparing. He's working in you things that need to be developed later so that they're not being developed when you finally have your opportunity. Yes. Yes. So get moving. Be faithful to what God is doing, inside, doing in your life. Like That's the time to be faithful to God. When, when we invite people into the kingdom of God, we, we, we share the gospel with people, we, we do good things for people, not because we're efforting our way into it, but because we simply are faithful to what God is calling us to do. So it goes on, Exodus 14, verse 21. The Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all night, and it turned the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. They didn't see this coming. They, they did not have a plan for, God had never done something like this for them yet. They'd never seen it. And I'm telling you, when you, face, when you face insurmountable odds, when you're facing a difficult situation that you don't see a way out of, I just want you to know that you serve the kind of God who will do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. You may not be able to find a way out of your situation, 
Because God has a plan. Because God has a plan. I think even about this church community, I said it before, like, you guys, I, I have, we have, this was not like some 10-year plan. Our plan has always been to simply be faithful to whatever God put in front of us. That's it. Not some grandiose plan. Two years ago, we were meeting in a school, the back of a field, in a cafeteria that we affectionately called the auditorium in seats that were incredibly uncomfortable. So he's like, ah, he's in the word. <laughs> With no money in the bank account. Yeah. And God, the one who provides seed to the sower, blessed this church community with a big building on one of the busiest, right next to one of the busiest intersections in our county, next to the busiest exit in our county, not because we've done something, but because he has a bigger plan. Like the children of Israel, they're standing at the Red Sea. I don't know what we're going to do. And God says, I know what I'm going to do. The church that didn't have a lot of money, like they didn't have a lot of resources. And last week, like this tiny little group of people, like I was talking to friends of mine, the pastor churches in the thousand, like two, three thousand. And they're like, we could not do that. Like if we had, if we had three months, four months to plan, our church would not raise that kind of an offering. I'm saying like this little church raised an incredible amount of money to move the kingdom of God forward. Like, that's not something you plan. It's not something you figure out. It's just God saying, I'm going to open up, I'm going to make a way where there is no way. So here we go. I want to share with you some stories. If, if for any of these five points, if they stuck out to you, I'm going to share some verses. I'm just going to, we're going to declare some things together, but I want to share a verse and if that verse stands out to you, something you need, I just want to encourage you, like, scripture memorization is not archaic. Like, it would actually be good for you to memorize. If you struggle with fear, memorize this verse. If you struggle with busyness, memorize this verse. You don't have to memorize it. You can just remember where it is. David says, your word, O God, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So today... The Lord says, do not be afraid as the band would come. Isaiah 41.10 says it like this. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Listen, fear is normal but we will not allow it to be the master of our lives. I'm gonna, we're all going to say this together, but I just want us to say, I will not be afraid. You ready? One, two, three. I will not be afraid. I won't. He says, be still. Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Stop acting like all your busyness, all your, you're your, your figuring everything, like stop, all your, your, your moving around, like stop acting like that's somehow affecting the universe. No, 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 be still. And know that he's God 
And whatever circumstance you're in, he's going to use that, that circumstance to exalt himself among the nations, to exalt himself on the earth. That's what he does. So let's say, I will be still. I will be still. Eyes on God. Isaiah 43, verse 19. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You see, God, God says that. He says, I'm doing something here. Do you perceive it? Do you, do you see what I'm doing? Like, you may think I'm not at work at all, but I am making a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Can you perceive it? What he's saying is, would you get your eyes on what I'm, would you get your eyes on me? Would you get your eyes on what I'm doing? Because if you don't perceive it, you might miss that he's actually at work. All together, we're going to say, eyes on God. One, two. Eyes on God. There we go. Come on. Stay calm. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Come on, somebody. You struggle with anxiety. You're worried about the conversations at the table this week. Cast your cares on him. You need to be calm. You need to rest in him. Like the beloved laying your head on the chest of Jesus. Like, just rest in him. I've got no fears, no anxiety. I'm going to cast all my cares on him. Not because he has some ulterior motive, but because he cares for me. And then get moving. I'm going to do what he's asked me to do. James chapter 2, verse 14 says it like this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works. You, you can claim, oh, I trust that God's going to take, take care of this situation. I trust that God's going to do it. But you need to be able to act on whatever it is that God is telling you to do as well. Yeah. Not that the action somehow secures your faith, but the action is a result of faith, isn't it? Like when we make him, when, like at the end of service, when we say like, let's make him the Lord of our life, we're not saying like, let's get saved from hell. That's not what we're saying. What we're really saying is, let's make him the Lord of our lives. Let's do what he says to do. Let's align our lives with his desires. Let's be the kind of people that when he looks at us, he says, well done. Would you stand with me all across the room? Lord, I pray right now for those that are in this room that maybe are facing just difficult situations or difficult people this week. God, we just declare that you are not the author of fear. In fact, your word says you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a strong mind. So right now, I just declare that in this house with these people, they would not be people driven by fear. They would be people of faith, trusting in the one who saved them, trusting in the one who called them out of darkness into your marvelous light. God, I pray for those in this room that feel like the, the, the desperate need to, to always fix things and to always defend themselves and to, to always go, 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 go. We just say, peace be still to the storm inside your heart, the storm inside your mind. 
call. Breathe deep this week as you rest with family and friends. For the person whose eyes are on the situations that are impossible. Lord, I just ask that you would would align their eyes to you. They would lift up their eyes from their problem. They would look to where their help comes from. Trusting in you. We would stay calm. We would not pop off on social media. Maybe we would bite our tongue when we're at a table. But that we would stay calm. And then that we would get moving, doing the things you've called us to do. Because life is too short and eternity is too long for us to waste our time not doing the things that you've called us to do. You've called us a kingdom of priests. So God, I ask that you would strengthen and encourage this group of people to step into those positions of being a kingdom of priests. Maybe you're in this room right now. Keep your eyes closed, your head down. Maybe you're in this room and you didn't really anticipate this, but you just feel like you need to get right with God. As I'm talking, you just felt like this deep need. I need to be right with God. If that's you, you want to raise your hand for me so I can just see where you are. Nobody's looking. Come on, I see some bold hands. Bold hands. You are not unusual. You are not strange. That's good. And you're in a room full of people that support and cheer the decision you're making right now to say, I want to get right with God. Here's how you're going to do it. We repent and believe. Repent means we turn around. We we turn around from the things we think, do, and say that don't please God. We all do things that don't please him. And it's one thing to say, I'm sorry. It's another thing to change. So we're saying, we're going to walk away from those things. And the next thing we do is we say, we believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. When he does that, the word of God says, he cleanses us from all sin. And he brings us into communion with each other. So that's you and you want to Get right with God. Join me as I repent and as I believe in Jesus. God, right now, I know there are things in my life that do not please you. Things I think, things I say, things I do. Lord, I know you have preferences that maybe don't align with me. So right now what I'm doing is I'm surrendering to your desire for my life and I'm repenting. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried and rose again on the third day. And right now I'm placing all of my faith and hope in him. Say these words, Jesus, be the Lord of my life and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. There's some people that just made the biggest decision of their life. Biggest decision. 
just want I just want to encourage you real quick. Remember, we're not saying like, I just want to be saved. I just want to be saved. We're saying, be the Lord of my life. God, I want you to lead me. I don't want you to guide me. I want you to direct me. I want to be yours. Is that all right? Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people and change the world.